Welcome back, new Eumaniacs, to our spinner rack here at Season 4 of the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, the voice of the new universe. We are your hosts, Stephen with Force number 20, and Andy with a backup story, something new. <laughs> you just have to find out, man. Uh, Unbelievable. I get to talk, too. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just wrap it up and we'll uh move along there <laughs> all right we'll just skip straight to the backup story um <laughs> first our new universe uh in 1986 the new universe launched as an imprint from marvel comics dedicated to a more grounded and occasionally less fantastic approach to comics and world building the original idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and greater realism after the first year, some books were canceled, although we are seeing the, their characters in other places, like backup stories. Um, and the remaining books have gotten consistent creative teams. Yay. Uh, their origins were streamlined, and they're becoming a bit more action-oriented in the wake of the world-shaking disaster, The Pit, uh, where Pittsburgh went the goodbye. Um, so oh. with our podcast... Sorry, man. <laughs> plenty of other good cities. It's a very livable city. It's the most livable city. Come on, man. You're moving to Cleveland, and that's it. That's that. <laughs> I'm not moving in with uh, Jane and Roger. They <laughs> are jerks. <laughs> yes. Anyway, abortions for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, Jane, take it down a notch, will you? All right, if that makes oh. zero sense, the, go back and listen to our last star brand coverage. <laughs> um, not trying to be controversial. It's just Jane's opinion. Uh, uh, but yeah, so yeah, follow along each week. Uh, so if you listen to everyone, that joke will make more sense. Uh, if you go through each comic as in the order they hit the spinner rack, or you could check out just individual comics if you have a favorite. They'll be missing out on all those grand baby killing jokes. Um, we have a trivia challenge likely now available on our website, kickersinc.com. Also, check us out on X at Kickers Inc. I refuse to call it that. I just I see you wrecked it. Yeah, <laughs> so X is here to stay, man. <laughs> X at Kickers Inc. will provide you with all your Kickers Inc. information. Kickers Inc. But anyway, enough about X. We get back to Cyforce, the group of teenage paranormal runaways bound together by a psychic entity called the Cyhawk. Although we haven't seen him in a while, uh, now split up and on the run from both sides of the Cold War. Yeah, the Cyhawk was supposed to be keeping them together, and it's it disappeared the second they all uh, went in different directions. This week, Cyforce number twenty. While Wayne and Tyrone learn more about Lindsay Falloman's powers, they discover that their Cyforce teammates have been captured by the U.S. government. Will the pair leave their Canadian hiding place to help their friends? The answer may surprise you. The Girl with the Faraway Eyes is written by Fabian Nicieza, penciled by Ron Lim, and inked by Romeo Tangal. 32 pages, $1.25. Nice. 32 pages because, of course, it does feature that backup story called Sublet, which we're hoping is about Jack Magnaconti's brother subletting his 
sports power plus building some, <laughs> somebody and then they find out that they don't really own it and the kickers get kicked out and okay you know it's about the max armor but i can't believe my brother steve didn't pay sign the lease in in a timely <laughs> manner and with legal representation it's almost <laughs> like he was doing something underhanded dang <laughs> Uh, we'll have to well, write that story i guess uh yeah more things for us to do so yeah the um extra expanded page count we knew had uh sort of started off with either longer stories or uh, sort of extra material there was like pinups and official handbook pages for the characters and things like that and uh so this is the first time though we're getting an actual backup story I was thinking, uh, yeah, six to eight pages. I don't know if that's how it works out in the future, but um, there'll be a number of them coming up, and uh, it's, it'll be kind of nice to to have, you know, something a little extra. Um, now that we've only got four books ongoing, uh, yeah, a couple of backup uh, features with hopefully the old characters would be pretty sweet, honestly. So. If there's no kicker's ink showing up in these backups, I'm shredding my comics at the end of this. <laughs> folks, <laughs> give me uh, a little more, just a little more. <laughs> folks, it took me weeks to talk Andy back onto the show after the <laughs> denouement of Star Brand 13. So, you know, don't push him. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> when. <laughs> Jumping on into Psy Force number 20, which. Hit uh, was uh, cover dated June 1988, and we believe hit the stands February 23rd, 1988. We have a uh, pretty uh, exciting cover, Cyforce, um, with uh, sort of multi scenes all jammed together. There's one of Rodstvau uh, attacking you, coming to flying towards you. Um, there's one of, uh, from the book of Tyrone, um, meeting some Medusa web members. There's one that's, uh, from the, that's an explosion that we'll see is the memories of, uh, Sanctuary's explosion two issues ago. And at the bottom, there's Wayne holding Lindsay Fallon, the girl he picked up in, uh, Seattle, also two issues ago. Um, it's credited to Ron Lim, and there's a um, narration box presenting overtime. She can see the future, but can she change it? Um, New Universe is, again, like a very small uh, thing under the Marvel logo in the top left corner. Hmm. Barely noticeable. And sadly, no little... Uh corner character yeah but we are approved by the comics code authority anyway as we turn the page we see a horrible scene of de <laughs> people dismembered by a psychotic uh... anyway um we <laughs> the inside front cover again has these uh uh sort of um multi-paragraph um sort of background to the New Universe, background to Cyforce the title, and a quick couple of sentences about the recent uh, events in the book. Um, 
which says that uh, divided and hounded by the United States government, Tucker and Jessup have fled to Canada with the help of another paranormal teen, Lindsay Fallowman. Believing their friends dead, Tucker, Jessup, and Fallowman are binding their, biding their time in British Columbia while the world falls apart around them. And uh, yeah, the creative team, we uh, have again Fabian Nicieza, Ron Lim Pensler, but the inker is Mike Witherby. And I've got to say, I looked over the last few issues with Ron Lim. Well, you know, we say creative, consistent creative team. He has had like a different uh, inker in almost every book, uh, every issue of this mm. run. So there is a little variation there. Um, credited uh, the creators still, Archie Goodwin and Walt Simonson. But anyway. On we move to the story itself, and we start off pretty strong with a splash page that's, um, yeah, it's it's uh, Rodstvo, the uh, Russian paranormal we'd met a few issues ago, and we see him just sort of taking apart various uh, military types on the ground, and... Um, I think there's a tank falling apart behind him too. And yeah, he's got like this... a crazy swirl of energy. Yeah. Right. Like Kirby, Kirby crackle yeah. energy coming out of him. And there's some uh, narration boxes. Well, narration balloons, I should say. That we'll see are from a uh, TV announcer. And so this is being televised. It says February 15th, 1988, Victoria, British Columbia. But we're seeing the scene of uh, Rudstvo, uh killing all these people, and but the box, but the narration is telling us this is continued fighting in Jalalabad as the Soviets eliminate a major supply route from Pakistan that the Afghan rebels were clinging to in their desperate struggle to stave off this renewed Soviet aggression in their country. Footage supplied by TASS, the official Soviet news agency, shows an alleged paranormal they call the People's Hero. He's like a monster. Right. He has, <laughs> he has been identified only as Rodstvo, which means kinship in Russian. Kinship to what, one can only guess. So this is really interesting, honestly. I'll, I'll, I'll go into the next page, but. So it sort of pans out, and we see this is a uh, woman who's a news reader for a on a television, and uh, she's talking about the Mujahideen rebels who have been pushed completely away from their stronghold in the Hindu Kush mountain range. Um, rumors of far, further paranormal activities on the in the province on the Iranian border have been denied, and uh, they think we, with Rudstvo involved and new troops, the Soviets are on the brink of ending their eight-year-old war in Afghanistan. And uh, she she's panning out, and it's a Channel 6 Czech TV, which I looked up is actually like a local station in uh, Victoria. Oh, okay. Uh, Vancouver. Um, I forget if it was like all news now, but... Um, would have been a thing you'd watch for your news at the time. Um, she talks a little about Secretary of State, uh, U.S. Uh, Secretary of State George Shultz, uh, promised that uh, we wouldn't get involved in Afghanistan in any way. <laughs> and uh, denied rumors that they would uh, were looking for Starbrand. They'd been missing since the Pittsburgh explosion and hoping 
something, something. So uh, we sort of pan out and we see this is uh, Wayne Tucker and Lindsay Fallon watching TV and their thing. And so uh, just to like, it's the sidebar. This is really interesting to me because never reading this at the time or anything, the, um, I remember think, you know, that the uh, pit explosion is sort of, they think is a Russian thing. And that sort of, it was where this militarization idea comes from that the, you know, U S government blames this on Russia and then, um, Okay, so things get a little heated up in the future here. But um, so this is interesting that the Russians have this like crazy, obvious paranormal, like out on, you know, a battlefield, basically. Right. And it's Guy who could potentially destroy cities. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, well, now it makes more, you know, it's more reasonable to kind of jump to that conclusion. If you're like looking at this dude tearing apart a uh, Mujahideen army, you're like, Okay, I don't know what's going on in Russia, but uh, maybe we should get some of our own paranormals involved here. Yeah, missed opportunity too, right? To like have Starbrand confront this guy, like somebody who might be able to kind of match his power. Yeah, it would have been like, you can imagine like setting up Rodstvo and then be like, and then uh, Connell like blows up and you're like, because you're thinking, oh, that once he gets involved, He'll take, you know, this on and then he disappears and you're like, oh, what the heck are we doing? Right. Either uh, would have been good, but uh, missed opportunity is almost the motto of the new universe. Yeah. At least for Starbrand. <laughs> so the kids start are, are talking as they're watching TV. Did you see that guy? He was floating in midair, blowing up everything around him. Really getting rough out there. Safer to hide, stay here and hide, close our eyes and pretend it ain't happening, right? And we have the, that's Wayne talking, and we have the title, The Girl with the Far Away Eyes. Did you look that one up? No, it's a little familiar, but is it a specific thing? Uh, Rolling Stones song reference. Oh. Yeah, I didn't look up the song because, I mean, it's the Rolling Stones. I didn't want to have to listen to it unless I really needed to. Uh, but it does, does actually have some hilarious uh, song lyrics that I wrote down, totally unrelated <laughs> to Cyforce. But uh, and especially if you just read it in a non-song version, I think it's even funnier. Uh, I was driving home early Sunday morning through Bakersfield, listening to gospel music on the colored radio station. And the preacher said, you know, you always have the Lord by your side. And I was so pleased to be informed this that I ran 20 red lights in a row in his honor. <laughs> okay <laughs> drugs people that's how you do your songwriting it was the 60s or possibly the 70s and uh, like there there was reference with girl with the faraway eyes but it just sounded like somebody was kind of stoned out of their mind and maybe complacent <laughs> and okay. it seemed a little date rapey to me but it was not a lot of <laughs> lyrics it was <laughs> Not a well-crafted <laughs> song story. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, good. Anyway. <laughs> so, um... Research. It's good. Thanks, research team. 
so Wayne is is like, yeah, maybe we should just stay here and watch the world burn down around us. And Lindsay gets up and I don't know, Wayne. I mean, I've been we've been hiding up here for two months now. I don't know. It was kind of exciting at first, running away and everything. You're a paranormal. I'm a paranormal. Big coincidence, right? But now it looks like the world's falling apart and hiding, not getting involved seems, I don't know. I'm scared. I'm confused. Lindsay, I think hiding for a while, relaxing, is the best thing for us. I got to try living a normal life. I've been chased around and used for a year. I need to forget. Wayne's pretty horny. (laughs) What happens when they remember? What happens when someone else finds you and comes after you? We ask if they have life insurance. Then we sick Tyrone Jessup after them. Hmm. Oh, uh, the uh, uh, Tyrone, who's, as we said, becoming more and more powerful, practically on every page. Like, yeah, uh, he's turned into uh, like Electric Superman. I think. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Yeah, the, um, Superman, red and blue, and did it start with blue? It was blue. Yeah. And then okay. red was like a split off. So that's a good uh, analogy. He's, you know, gone from being a slightly annoying ghost to being able to. Well, we'll we'll see where he goes next. He's flying around the city. I guess this is also Victoria. Um, his body has been uh, was so severely injured in the uh, sanctuary explosion that um, he's just been hiding in his ghost form the whole time. And uh, he's thinking to himself that uh, the city's quiet and talking to Andy, Andrew Chaser, um, before convinced him that staying up in Canada is the best thing for them. Uh, He heard about the military draft and thinks it's scary. They may be separating paranormals, which Chaser made some notes on the um, president's speech last issue or something. Right. We got so he notices a familiar f- wavelength and uh, starts heading in to investigate. And we switch over to some guys from the Medusa web that we met before. It's Imprint, Backfire, and Thunderhead, or Donokov, as he calls himself. Um, and they're talking uh, with another uh, wall of um, video cameras, you know, something that they're monitoring they don't see the kids and uh donnerkopf sees uh tyrone heading in and is like i suggest you get over your fear of jessup very quickly backfire Uh, (laughs) so backfire has become just terrified of jessup and um he jumps when when tyrone enters the room in this sort of electric glow um so, uh, you know, they, they, uh, backfires like, please don't hurt us, Mr. Jessup. Uh, uh Mr. Jessup, <clears throat> sir, uh, can I, can I get you some coffee, sir? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, they introduce themselves. The man to your left is imprint. The blubbering fool is called backfire. I am Donokov. We are members of the Medusa web. I, I'm just amusing myself with a little light Schwarzenegger here with this guy. So I'm loving. Pardon it. me. Yeah, it but, literally is. It doesn't say we. It says V V E. So 
and Feb. So they, you know, yeah. We have been hired by your Central Intelligence Agency to apprehend you and your friends called Cyforce in their files, I believe. We were only able to complete half our contractual obligations. The others, they're still alive? Uh, so Backfire's like, you have any idea how much money we lost on out on because of this deal? Um, Shut up. Yes, yes, sir, Mr. Jessup. I'm shutting up uh, right away. Uh, whatever you say. Um, everyone asks about what happened, and uh, Thunderhead replies that Inushin and Ling are recovering in Bethesda Naval Hospital from injuries incurred in their struggle with our operatives. Boyd has been conscripted for military service. Yikes. Mm. He was drafted. Great. He probably mm -hmm. enlisted. You guys caught them? Since then, our contact with the with your countries was terminated. Yeah, terminated. <laughs> <laughs> this is all building up to that in one way or another. And uh, yeah, so what do you? Do? Okay, so if you're you know not on the clock anymore, why are you hanging around here? What do you want? We want to ask you, Wayne Tucker and Lindsay Salmon, also to become members of the Medusa Web. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. can it be um so yeah we have a cute pa uh, panel in the next page where it's the next day february 16th at market square shopping mall which is apparently a thing in victoria canada um i, I you know if you google up uh british columbia or victoria you know, you'll just get like lost for a while and all the beautiful pictures of this nice harbor scenery and mm -hmm. beautiful downtown. And I'm like, man, I uh, need to go on a trip out here. But anyway, um, so they uh, I say that because there's a kid looking in the window of a comic book store, um, Island Fantasy which yeah. I think was a thing at the time. Yeah, it was real, but then closed down. So apparently there used to be just comic book stores all over this town. So in the 80s, it must have yeah, really been attractive for comic uh, folks to uh, go by. Um, so he is thinking to himself, wonder who's going to write Captain America now that Gruenwald blew up. <laughs> <laughs> Note from the editor, see star brand number 12. Howard, who also blew up but right you know. or don't it wasn't yeah. very good it wasn't but uh yeah the it's important uh, i suppose but... it's something we had to sort of push through but um yeah the um that the brain trust of the new universe was willing to sort of blow themselves up along with pittsburgh did indeed sort of take the edge off of it so <laughs> Yeah, at least we don't get to have to see John Byrne in the book. Then <laughs> He's like storming around. I told you this wasn't going to work. How are we going to build a comic book around a guy who blows up a whole city? <laughs> uh, we don't have to try and figure out which brown hair bearded guy is that. Hmm. <laughs> so um, Wayne and Lindsay are off shopping and uh, she's saying, today's the day. I'm sick of seeing you in those rags. Come on, let me use my stupid stepfather's credit cards to buy you some new clothes. Um, very unusual for a girl to spend her stepfather's money. 
Anyway, <laughs> Wayne refuses. He says, you got some stepkids we don't know about? No, I'm just thinking of the uh, kids I went to school with. Uh. Oh, uh, Caddy gave me a credit card, so let's go out to eat. Okay. Um, so she, uh, so they're talking and she's like, why don't you want to, you know, buy nice clothes, eat at good restaurants if we have these cards? And he, ta- he starts talking about how they, he had lived in this runaway home for a long time and how they learned not to want too much because you're not going to get it anyway. And every time someone offered us something, there was a catch. Last time was the worst. Some science labs said they'd get rid of our powers. We fell for it, of course. When we left, it got a little messy. So uh, someone must have gotten tired of looking the other way, so they sent a paranormal after us. We beat him pretty good and sent him back home. And then we got back to Sanctuary, and I felt like my head was going to explode. Next thing you know, I'm five blocks away from the house. There's cops and fire trucks all around. I got a separated shoulder and a busted wrist, and my face is bleeding. And this all happened in Cyforce number 16 and 17. That's the editor note. Hopefully. Yeah, and this is the first bit of information from, from that, too, because all we had to go was, you know, a boom. No clue what happened to anybody. And then, you know, all of a sudden, Wayne was in Canada. So it's our first yeah. tidbit from this one, at least, which is nice. Yeah. 17, at the end of 17, Sanctuary <laughs> blows up. Uh, beginning of 18, Wayne is in Canada and is just like injured and doesn't know what happened to the others. Um, so we see it, it's a little montage, I guess, of, of the, this and uh, they continue talking. Um, he knew that Sanctuary had blown up and he's tried scanning for the others, but didn't know luck. So he pushed a doctor to fix himself up and. Uh, started hitching and pushing his way north and that was it and as we said we pick him up again in seattle and i gotta say the previous issue he was in that he had this scar on his face but it was much more subtle it's much more prominently featured in the art now Um, yeah definitely playing it up a little more yeah um yeah so he he also looks about five years older like (laughs) <laughs> this is like the sequel to the movie and the kids had all aged up or something. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so Lindsay's like, what? How, how did Sanctuary blow up? How did you survive? What happened? Like, I don't know. I don't want to know. Uh, this is an, it's a nice clean break. Let's just start all over again. We'll get Ty back one of these days. And so she's like, uh, you owe your friends something more than just forgetting them. Those girls, Stassi and Kathy, they gave you the earring, right? And yeah, we remember this earring that he'd gotten for his birthday from them. So Lindsay grabs a hold of it, this cross-shaped dangly earring, which I've been making fun of him for ever since. <laughs> Not for his it's religious pretty, interests. It's pretty rock solid 80s, though. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's just a little, it's a bit much for a guy, you know, call me old fashioned. Hmm. So Lindsay rolls her eyes back and um, we see a flashback of uh, Wayne and Kathy back at the moments before Sanctuary blew up at the end of 17. Wasn't she supposed to be seeing the future? 
This is, uh, yeah, what I was asking myself the whole time. She can see the future, but can she change it? Well, you can't change the past, certainly. Not in Cyphers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Kathy is, um, <laughs> it's like, Wayne, what's wrong? What's wrong? And Wayne's head is like killing him. He's like cr- hunched over and is like, can tell that there's something above them. So he pushes Kathy, get us out of here now with his uh, ability. And so he tells her to push him out the window. You pushed her. I can feel you inside her mind. I can feel her use her power. She lifts you up with her mind, throws you hard, glass shatters. My face cuts your face. Blood's warm. There's a light above the house. It's night, but you think the sun has landed on sanctuary. And uh, so, yeah, he's like flying and the house blows up right behind him. Yeah, you can kind of see Rotstevow like hovering above the sanctuary. So, uh, I mean, he is, he literally, he went right through that window. And I, as, let me tell you, that uh, glass in the face going through a window is, uh, that'll distract you. I don't care how like brightly the guy is glowing, up, it's flying above your house. You're going to have a hard time seeing it. Um, so, yeah, he's flying. He lands in the alleyway a few blocks away and uh, busts a shoulder with the landing. Uh, blacks out. Um, he's like thinking he needs to help them, but he's like out. So she's. Lindsay is still in the present holding on to this earring and is almost tearing him out of tearing it out of his ear. But now she's kind of locked on, I guess, to the uh to Kathy, it says in the next panel. And she's um now she's sort of collapsed on the floor and she's just, you know, talking crazy talk. Um, that's like the thoughts of all these other characters that Wayne had been in contact with. So um it's a little confusing and people are starting to gather around them and uh, he's, he's trying to shake her back into um, reality, but she's like off. Um, he just tells the people around like uh, she's uh, epileptic. Okay. Probably drugs, but um, she's uh, start. We go back into Lindsay's uh, vision and Kathy and t- had like grabbed Ty and pushed herself and him out the window. She's, uh, they sort of bump into each other though, and Ty gets caught up in the blinds. And uh, so it's like Wayne was pushing her to do this. So she didn't have a lot of maybe as much control, or maybe it's just like all happening too fast. Yeah, it looks kind of like she pulls Tyrone, but she's also in the way, so he kind of like bounces her out the window, but then he gets kind of stuck in it, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, and they can hear something, and then it's just uh explosion, and they're screaming. And then we switch over to uh, Stasi and Thomas, who are kind of running from a distance away. They had been... Uh, trying to heal each other, I believe. They were smooching, yeah. <laughs> um, so they can see this. Everything's on fire. And uh, like, where's Wayne and Kathy? And 
he can see Thomas sees someone falling, and even though there's fire everywhere, he runs forward. Sassy's like, Thomas, no, you'll get burned. I don't want to lose you too. Uh, I think he gets to Kathy, brings her back. Every Both of them seem to be burning now, though. And Stassi, though, is right there. She comes over and heals them. Ah, life rush feels so good. Healing me. Stassi is healing us. And uh, they're like, go back in there. I, I'm not strong enough to heal you again. Uh, what about Tucker? Sent him flying. What about Jessup's? Uh, don't know. And Stasi just says, they're dead, Thomas. Look at the house. Look. And they look up and they can see Rodstvo. And Thomas, what is it? Uh, heat, light, energy can feel it. Stronger than Kathy, Thomas, and Stasi. Stronger than me and you. So strong. And he's laughing like a crazy person. So they just run as fast and as far away as they can. So strong, so mad. And we have a close-up of Rodstvo's face, which is, again, um, monstrous. And uh, But this image sort of dissolves. Lynn, snap out of it. And uh, sort of uh, is replaced by Wayne's face. Hun, you okay? What happened? So she, uh, I think I described some of this to him, but she's continues... Oh my God, Wayne, they're alive. They ran away. The man we saw on TV earlier, Rodstvo, he did it. He blew up Sanctuary. More people stop by and ask uh, if she, if Lindsay is okay, including what looks like Stasi, but... Um, yeah, no. <laughs> Same color shirt and everything. 100%. So Wayne pushes them all to just walk away and forget about it. And suddenly uh, Tyrone pops out of the, the nearby uh, wall. I have some good news. Ah! Hmm. We're kind no, of stuff. Like, what was it, Eric Chin from the Troubleshooters, too, maybe a little bit? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, is she all right? Says Eric. Just keep on walking, buddy. <laughs> it would be a great little in joke if they just put all the troubleshooters in the background. I don't know. There was a conference that week in Victoria, and you know, everyone yeah, was, MIT was there, but just a coincidence. Um, so yeah, Wayne is startled. He tells Tyrone that he had scared, scared us, scared them, but um, guys like Stasi and Kathy are alive, Boyd, too. Uh, they're in the states. I'm, I'm not saying Tyrone hated Boyd, mm. but he was always like, "Oh, why'd you do? Why were you so mean to that guy who was trying to kill us, Thomas?" <laughs> why are you always punching all those people? Uh, physical form, Tyrone. You should try it sometime. So he's like, Tyrone's like, you know, oh, they're alive. What should we do? Um. Wayne's like, maybe we could start with being a little more subtle. You know what I mean? Tyrone sort of stands up and suddenly he looks normal. He's not glowing and he has normal coloration. And, you know, it's just like Tyrone is there. Lindsay is impressed. Wow, Ty, you're real again. Not quite. I'm just bending the light waves. So I look that way. Figured that since you could see me anyway. It had to be something I was in control of. Harder to do than that. work, by the way. But I... <laughs> I, 
thought you were a light wave. I you like changed the wavelength, maybe. That now we're talking, right? I guess it's bending the you're like a prism, right? I, mm. And then he says something I don't understand. Harder to do than a drag bunt, though, and leaves me with a killer headache. Drag bunt? Is that some like Canadian jargon that I don't I'm not familiar with? I mean, if if we're really Tyrone, it should be basketball jargon, but it sounds more like baseball. I don't know. Hmm, yeah. Baseball bunt. Okay. Don't don't look it up on Urban Dictionary. Take your advice, kids. Dra- so, drag um, bunt, a bunt usually by a left handed batter that is hit down the first baseline. Okay. That doesn't sound like something Tyrone would say, but hey, maybe he also played baseball. Again, we're in Canada now. I'm going to start talking about hockey or something, man. Go native. Go native. <laughs> so, uh, he tells them, yeah, Kath and Stoss are in a hospital in Maryland. Boyd got drafted. How did you find out? And uh, so, yeah. So Wayne is says, Linz did a little overtiming on my earring. And you? The Medusa Web guys told me. So what do we do? Wait a second. Did you say the Web told you? Um, Lindsay's pipes in with, we have to go back to the States and find your friends. Who knows what the government is doing with? It's a little more complicated than that. The Medusa, this is Tyrone, the Medusa web wants us to join their organization. They'll help us rescue them. Come again. <laughs> you heard me, Wayne. Yeah, but I'm having trouble believing it. Kind of makes sense. Are you kidding me? These guys have been after us for months. Now they offer us jobs. It was all a test. A test for the best dang job that you can find. <laughs> you too can join the Medusa web if you prove yourself by almost getting killed by the Medusa web. <laughs> Those uh, tech company interview questions are just getting <laughs> out of hand. <laughs> Google. Hey, that always... was like that rocks, that really cool uh, Seven Soldiers of Victory Manhattan Guardian, like the newspaper weird company, like tests him out by having the people who want to be the Guardian, like battle some giant golem throughout the... Um, throughout the building is like forgotten that completely yeah Mm, and at the end he finally defeats the thing he's like you got the job buddy like are you crazy (laughs) (laughs) so Lindsay continues they're paranormals too wayne maybe they decided if they couldn't lick us they might as well ask us to join them you really emphasize the word lick in that sentence pretty strongly Lindsay. i'm not comfortable with that lick we got rolling stones references what's going on here Way to kill a cliche, hun, says Wayne. As for you, Ty, what did they do? Invite you in for cookies and milk? How long have you known about us being they known about us being here? How long have you known they were still following us? Um, no milk cookies, no milk. Since we left Seattle about two hours. Now why don't you calm down a bit? Wayne, uh Tyrone's always kind of the level headed one, kind of, except when he's yelling at Boyd, but anyway. Yeah. So he says they were hired by the CIA, and the, after they caught Boyd and the girls, they were fired. And um, you know, he's like, "I'm going to go ask Andrew Chaser. Um, be back in a couple hours." So he takes off. 
And um, Wayne is like, I don't know, this chaser, and I'm worried he's just another user like everyone else we meet. So he must have been become friends with Andrew Chaser, like in the in between, like out outside of the comic we got to read, right? Because we got introduced to Chaser a couple times, but he never actually met any of the kids. I think he's like Wayne hasn't met him, but he's just he- heard about him through Tyrone. That's my right. impression. Did we ever see in the comic Tyrone meeting him? I don't remember. Yeah, he he was like at the where Sanctuary had blown up and Tyrone kind of pops out of the ground. Oh, okay. And they they talk. He sends him. Maybe he's the one who sent him to Seattle in the first place. Oh, and so okay. he's like come back and. I guess I forgot that part. Like I said, it took weeks of convincing Andy back onto the podcast. <laughs> I hope you're happy there, Mr. Byrne. Anyway. <laughs> six months later seasons have gone by and we have like two foot long beards okay <laughs> so force 20 let's pick it up again anyway we flip over to uh dinner at the bel-air hotel with the room reserved already just in case um every time it's and we see andrew chaser he's trying to get laid which is um okay i don't know it's a little uh yeah over the top but blah 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 he's a reporter and uh he's supposedly one of the good guys um and he's uh set up a date with some like aspiring actress this is in los angeles i guess and uh he gets some uh something on his beeper hey kids do you remember beepers they were a thing the 90s (laughs) um he's like i have to call my service he steps away and uh Sneaks into the bathroom. Okay. Mm. I wonder if Bob Woodward has to meet his contacts this way. Woodward was a famous reporter from the uh, Watergate days. Yeah. Also, a lot of clandestine meetups in the bathroom, I guess. Rest stops all over the place. Uh, Yeah, that sounds like an excuse to me, but okay. (laughs) He's, uh, he's yeah, talking Chaser's about... not supposed to be a likable character, right? <laughs> I'm a little he's worried a if he guy is. who's full of himself. Eh. I I would say, yeah, he seems to be on their side, but is also full of himself. Um, he's at least not against them. Let's just put it that leave it there. Um, so he sits down on the t- toilet seat, and uh, Tyrone pops out of the wall or something. And uh, he uh, sounds like Tyrone has figured out the frequency of his beeper to set it off. So that's how they arranged this meeting. So Tyrone tells him the others, Boyd, Kathy, and Stasi, are still alive. I told you they might be. How do you know? Medusa Web told me. Lindsay did a little overtiming on her own. Is it supposed to mean something to people? I don't know. Again, he kind of references the future, which. As far as we know, she can't see. <laughs> but it was more of a like connected to an object brings back memories or visions rather than like. Yeah, his next word is I like that girl's powers would make a mint at the racetrack. Let me read your like, oh, yesterday you lost $500 at the racetrack. That's what we've seen out of her so far. <laughs> so, yeah. Um it's interesting. I, I 
I guess I'm open to the idea that they that's part of her power set that she can see the future also, but they haven't sort of demonstrated it within the story itself. So, mm. okay. Anyway, Tyron says they want us to join them. Chaser says, no, I guess you're the boss of us. No. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> do you trust them? I don't trust anyone anymore. Then forget about it. At least let me dig up something on them. From what I do know, they play both sides of the fence and more often than not. And those are the ones I worry about the most. Okay, well, um, says so like, if you get caught, you'll wind up at a paranormal military base. I've been hearing rumors about those. Just tell your friends to stay cool. If you need me, I'll be in this room for the next few days. Um, knock first again. Anyway, so um, Tyrone takes off by going down the toilet as it's flushing. And, hey, what's up uh, with these foot pedal flusher things that we got? Is that real? Is that a Canadian thing? I don't feel like I've ever experienced that. No, he's in Los Angeles. Um, oh, right. Yeah. I think I've seen that, but I don't remember why or where. Mm. Um, like totally detached from the from the toilet itself, kind of coming off the wall, a little thing that you kick down. And yeah, I mean, well, with everything having like an electric eye now, it's still kind of the like no one wants to touch a public toilet or something. I don't know. Mm. I would just use my foot on the regular handle, but. Well, I guess you could break that uh, easy, more easily or something. I don't mm. know. This is supposed to be like a super ritzy hotel. So yes, it is a little off. Should be a guy who goes in there and flushes it for you then. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take care of that for you, sir. A little pat on the butt. <laughs> Or maybe Thanks, that's Roy, this Abraham uh, Lincoln dude. Job. That's what he's ready to do. <laughs> yeah. There's a suddenly there's a guy waiting for him outside and he's like, I can't get any privacy anymore. I, I don't I, I don't get it what there's going on here. We flip over to St. Francis Hospital, which is I believe up in San Francisco. Tyrone is looking at his body. He's still white and under like an a hyperbaric chamber or something, the like um, oxygen tent that you get. Right. He's still in recovery. He looks at, down at his body and is floating above it. And he finally goes back into his body. Pain is too much and he leaves. And he's thinking, I'm never going to walk again. Never going to let this happen to me again. Never. So. Ooh, flip back over to Canada, where Wayne's just getting out of the shower. Um, let's see. He and Lindsay get some, uh, what do we call it, um, room service, nice dinner that she has ordered. Um, and they Creating discuss. Veal, those monsters. Veal. Uh, and veggies. I don't know. And for dessert, a philosophical debate on right and wrong. I'll skip dessert, watching my weight. <laughs> What's the matter, Wayne? Are you going fi to you find out your best friends are still alive and completely avoiding the issue? What's the matter? Knows... I thought we had a good thing going, and now you're just being <laughs> like a pushy girlfriend. You know, that girl on the reservation wasn't like this. <laughs> Jenny? Yeah, yeah, she wasn't like this at all. Hmm. Back to the reservation, I go. No, she's like, uh, your 
completely avoiding the issue and any talk of responsibility or commitment in our relationship. Do we have a relationship? It's like we don't talk anymore, Wayne. I don't it's, even know what you're thinking. I mean, they're pretty cozy together, but we, we kind of don't see anything on screen of where their relationship is at. So I don't know. But anyway, she's like, uh, I've only known you for two months and God knows you're not Mr. Perfect. <laughs> but I always got the impression you cared about things. Friends, especially. Yes. Wow. Uh, Tyrone picks this moment to pop through the wall again. Says he talked to Andy. They'll try to get some background on the web. And uh, he says they're in the doghouse with the CIA, which is what they said. And that the government has been slowly gathering paranormals they can find with the idea to use them as part of the army. And that's where Boyd is now. So Wayne says, how could we get them out if we could even find them? And Lindsay pipes up with more like issues with her powers that we didn't know. No, finding them is easy. I'm getting better all the time at isolating my reads. Huh? Oh. Okay. Got radar. Oh. Tyrone continues, what what do we do? Break into an army fort or something? That wouldn't work. Yeah, no fooling. I'm too thrilled with the idea of getting chased all over the stupid country because of our powers. They ain't ready to start go start in trouble with the army or the CIA. Tyrone says, I agree. <clears throat> well, tough luck, guys, but we're too scared to help you. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And we sort of pan out at that point. As I said, it's a lovely harbor city. And we go through the windows to a boat that is in the harbor where we see Imprint, who has been watching them with binoculars and is no longer an albino or is perhaps using some sort of makeup to look make himself look more normal. Or they just screwed up the coloring. Possibly that as well. And by normal in the new universe, you, of course, mean having white hair, yeah, <laughs> Caucasian skin tone, as roughly 50% of the characters do have. So uh, Backfire and Thundercough are there. Thunderhead. Uh, don't make me screw this up again. Thunderhead, Thunderhead, what is it? <laughs> Please help Backfire. Show us what you have in print. And... Uh, so he shows them on the video screen this little conversation that they are not going to go storming into America, take on the CIA and the army and try to bust their friends out of a military hospital and an army base. And backfire is like, what a bunch of wimps to think you guys were scared of Jessup. Well, what do we do now? We wait. Either they will change the, their minds on their own or will be forced to. If we were able to keep track of them, do you think the Americans weren't? <laughs> end. The end. The end. So, ah, so what, did, what was that, that thing saying? Will the pair leave the Canadian hiding place to help their friends? The answer may surprise you. No. The answer is just no. <laughs> no, we're not, no, not going to do that. No. <laughs> I guess I am surprised. It's more realistic. Um, it's a, I mean, sort of, yeah, at least they're not rushing off half cocked, you know, right? 
Um, be kind of like the typical superhero we think to do is like let's get the team together and let's go rescue those guys kind of thing dun, da, da, da. As yeah. to like i'm traumatized and would like to stay home <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> you know and then the, the the girlfriend who is you know had it easier i guess is you know a little more idealistic i suppose yeah she's uh a little more gung-ho um like i said her power set is not combat oriented so i'm not quite sure how that would play out in like a let's sneak into an army base way but she has definitely not been fighting people for 18 issues in sanctuary so um maybe a little less yeah a little more idealistic about their um what they can accomplish with these powers um interesting uh, should we discuss or hit the backups? Yeah, let's stay on this for now, I guess. Stay um, on discussing? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. in terms of the, the grading story. this issue yeah. or the story. Um. So, yeah, like I said, you start off with this really interesting uh, point of view that, like, you're you're getting news that paranormals are not just out there they're being used by the soviet union to uh wipe out F- the afghan uh tribesmen yeah good luck lynn griffin that was a great plan you had there buddy <laughs> he's still out there somewhere 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 um maybe lynn griffin is rodsvall uh, twist <laughs> disappeared right before rodsvall appeared interesting <laughs> yeah i wonder if rodsvall could have taken on the gladiator remember that guy who was ro- walking oh right yeah question? Hmm, good question i feel like he probably could have since gladiator was a little limited but i'm not sure yeah. he would be able to kill gladiator but yeah maybe not i mean he, he probably could have done the sort of the thing that starbrand did so mm-hmm. you know um it's actually you know when in his first appearance it seemed like they had very little control over him in the uh siberian project and so i kind of wonder if it's not so much that like he's being used as a tool by the soviets as being like uh could you you know if you want to go over there and kill people you can do it all you want and right he's just yeah fun. he certainly seems to have his own agenda but we haven't gotten much from him yet uh but yeah i'm guessing it's kind of like let's 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 take this crazy over to afghanistan like where we're not so much worried about the damage he does kind of thing so yeah he happens to roast a platoon of our soviet troops and well we can blame it on the afghans or something people's hero with a question mark A a lot of this stuff really does kind of ring true to me though just in terms of all right, there's an incident, there's all these paranormals, it's finally kind of out, and then the government's not acting in his secret as much, but I, I, I wish it didn't make sense that it seemed that the U.S. government and the CIA would decide to sort of round up all these people to see what we can use them for. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a huge stretch there. To, right. Yeah. And then, all right, we're drafting everybody, but, you know, we really want to just find as many paranormals as we can kind of thing yeah yeah 
And they did a nice job in this issue of just of like finally kind of tying things back. So, you know, we got Wayne on his own, then we got uh, you know, our characters on the run on like Thomas and Kathy and Stasi. Um, but then now like thankfully finally tying back into what actually happened at the sanctuary kind of explaining that split um you know we've, we've got the medusa web tied in we, we got ties in and, and like uh lead ups to what's going on with the draft and it's like a little bit of everything i thought it was really well done yeah it's got a like you said um they didn't sort of leave us hanging on some of this explanation that they had left out before the sort of key moments of the sanctuary and how they escaped and how they kind of missed each other um so yeah that that works out pretty well now and it's it all feels pretty organic um part a lot of this seems to be like trying to get more this Lindsay girl sort of involved and and showing her powers and you know it's honestly still a little confusing if anything because it's like if that was one of the your key points it still seems like i'm you know you keep talking about the future but then she's looking at the past and stuff like that but yeah if i'm honest i don't even really know what imprint does yeah that's like yeah he he sees something and somehow he transmits it electronically which that doesn't make a lot of sense honestly um tyrone continues to grow in his apotheosis i don't know what you'd <laughs> they're definitely selling him a little hard like it's like oh my gosh tyrone like I mean, this guy's really scared of him and let's stick tyrone on him he's the ultimate power in the universe kind of thing but yeah i think maybe they need to set... is a, like good comedy so yeah. He, yeah, he, I, I keep thinking he's like there's some 80s or 90s actor i should reckon oh maybe like jim belushi maybe like that. yeah the lesser of the belushis right exactly yeah. You could sell like, you know, obsequious, uh, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot going on. It's told pretty well. Um, the, the, like the sense for the larger universe also adds a lot that I, I, you know, it's, it's always like a little further outside of what's going on in the East coast, DP seven and justice, which not exactly in the same place, but they seem to be closer to, the pit and whatever's going on so some of this um is 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 interesting to get you know sort of tied in feels more unified um and i like that yeah the medusa web isn't just you know you will kill you all it's like um you know maybe we should make you an offer and try to (laughs) try to get things uh you know get in a in a different context we can work together on this project which is of interest to us both you know that's reasonable okay probably more in the in the previous issue they were selling the medusa web a little bit as like you know some of them were kind of reasonable or at least the babel kind of character was kind of torn (laughs) and a little didn't feel great about what he was doing um but uh but yeah, they definitely seem to have something up their sleeves a little bit, right? So, yeah, it's a little. I mean, the the kids did, uh, you know, not necessarily on purpose, but they killed at least two of their operatives. I think Electronique and uh, the fast girl in yeah. the last one both got so. 
I don't know if you're like, oh, we should replace them or they're just strangely forgiving, but um, or they just really don't care about each other. <laughs> not really. You're just in it for money. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's since there's not a lot of paranormal groupings coming together. Um, we'll see where this one heads out. Overall, art pretty good. Like I say, though, limbs really at the mercy of his inkers. I'm thinking um, they 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 change a lot from issue to issue. Um, right. It felt very Liefeldian in maybe the first issue he did, and I can't tell now if that was like him having more lead time. Like, all right, my first real assignment with Marvel. I'm gonna just. You know, I've got like three months to do it and I'm going to overdo every page and, you know, yeah. <laughs> render everything in extraordinary detail. And by, you know, this point, he's just cranking them out and got to meet the deadline now. Got to meet that deadline. Um, not that it's bad. It's very good, I think. Um, yeah, it's solid. It's uh, so overall, I don't know, grade. I'll give it a, a B, B plus. Yeah. Plus. I'll say B. I'm happy with it, but it's not like uh, blowing me over. Mm. You? For some reason, it just really resonated with me. Like looking back at it now, I'm like, there actually was no action in this issue that wasn't the flashback. Um, but I didn't even kind of realize that. Usually, these all talking kind of issues are kind of a drag, uh, but I really didn't think this was. Um, so I don't know. It, it may be just a very subjective I'm into it, you know, or just it struck me a lot as a lot more fun than some of the previous books we've been doing. But you know, I was thinking like an A for this one. I really enjoyed it. It's like we got backstory, we got tie-ins, like this things are moving along, you know, interesting little tidbits. Nice. Okay. So maybe it's overgrading here, but I liked it. I uh, I'm not going to uh, try to talk you out of that at all. Hmm. Um, do we need a break? We can either. We can take a break. I'll give you guys a break and come right back with a very with the short story follow up. Something about subletting an apartment. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed your break and just a little bit left. You know, we got some universe news and then the, and this uh, code name Spitfire, the sublet mini issue. Um, I would have titled it like the repo men or something like that. I think that would have been a little <laughs> bit better than a sublet. That's um, a good 80s reference too, if you never saw that movie. Yeah. I mean, the, unfortunately, I think this uh, <laughs> little back issue extra could probably be summed up in about a sentence of like the government finds the max armor and takes it <laughs> um, but there's a couple more interesting details i guess we can squeeze out of this one right <laughs> yeah we'll uh we'll see where it leaves us at the end um yeah i'll be yeah. honest uh, yeah it yeah 
we'll save discussion for the end. Save for the end. Right. <laughs> All right. So so our issue kind of started with February 15th. Uh, this goes back to January 20th. So this was a technically sort of a flashback. It says, somewhere around what was once Bethel Park, Pennsylvania, 430. My name is Jacob Travis. Remember him? Hey, Jake Travis. Everyone's Wait. favorite psycho schizophrenic. Slash Hannigan. That's, I'd forgotten totally his second name, which was, yeah. yeah. Everyone's favorite crazy psycho person. <laughs> Since I'm an employee of the Central Intelligence Agency. That means I'm a spy. This is an Ooh. army chopper. It's like, okay. <laughs> this is a bird. <laughs> um, this is an army mission for a spook to get involved in a fatigue operation means that said spook must be really good at his job. Or the poop has really hit the fan. Like, really? You can't say S-H-I-T? <laughs> the poop? Comics Code Authority. You. Anyway. <laughs> uh, in this particular case, it means both. Um, so the backup's written by Fabian Nicieza, uh, penciled by Mark Bagley, which is fun. You know, where were you in the regular codename Spitfire issues? Um, you know, Chris Ivy Inker. You know, so we get a little extra Bagley here. Uh, and yeah, the we get an opening splash page of a helicopter coming in to land next to our Max Armor Mark II, which looks like it's just kind of standing there deactivated um, in the like pit outskirts wastelands. Um, of course, last time we left this Max Armor, we saw in DP7 where uh, Jenny was still flying around in it around the outskirts of the pit and ran into our DP7 mission and ended up rescuing Mastodon and Jeff Walters from the pit. So um i guess this is after that yeah that was just a few days after the pit so um i guess we know that the armor survived i don't know yeah i guess um but they didn't bother to take it or something but anyway uh we had also heard in a previous issue that like the army was threatening that they were going to send spitfire aka the max armor after cyforce too so um that was that was in a previous cyforce issue but anyway we, we get back into the uh backup comic and uh the rest of the old codename spitfire squad is there you got ann polacino uh you know discount jenny swenson like the tech whiz lady um edward edward or edmund yeah edmund roth is there uh he who had the famous uh, Professor Swenson uh, AI slash VHS tape program kind of thing to try and dupe her. <laughs> Remember, Jenny, if there's ever a disaster in Pittsburgh, I want you to ignore rescuing people and focus on killing civilians. <laughs> if, Don't ask if me Roth how says I it's know okay. And uh, and Mac Browning's there too. Our, our old uh, shoot first, uh, you know, blame the civilians for dying later kind of guy. So. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, Mac Browning, he's the guy. Yeah, and the the whole thing is narrated by Travis, and uh, you know, so they land. You know, take a look at the armor. Uh, you know, radiation levels normal. Uh, Travis is narrating, you know, besides the techno geeks and the load humpers is Colonel Mac Browning, 
uh, I call him Colonel. You know, he kind of introduces the people. Um, you know, and the tech whiz, you know, checks out the is you know heads over to kind of like pop open an access panel and checks out the armor. Of course, you know this this suit was built by the U.S. Army or the or I guess the CIA or the the government too. So it's not even like the original Mac. So I guess you would kind of know it. Um, so you know. Mac Browning wants to know if it's salvageable. You know, we get this kind of interesting narration from Travis where he's like, uh, he can't see past the metal. He can't see it as anything more than ordnance. He can't see what was inside that hunk of computerized crap. He can't see Jenny Swenson. Uh, so Browning's excited that the, the Spitfire is finally ours. Um, Travis is thinking to himself uh, and narrating as, you know, we kind of... It, flashes back within the flashback to what happened with Jenny. Uh, it was his father's creation. It got him killed. She got even. Uh, not really, though. It was uh, the other guy who killed... Uh, oh, I'm losing names. It's been too too long since we Kratzy. had this fire. Yeah. Kratzy was killed by Steelhawk. Yeah, so... Uh, okay. But yeah, she got kidnapped by the government, basically. And she says, what she found was a lot of death and little life. When it came down to a choice between following orders and saving lives, it really wasn't much of a choice at all. And this is where she kind of split with Mac Browning, uh, who didn't want her to bother trying to rescue people, because, you know, of course not. Um, says it took three weeks for her power to run down, one more for her to be found and placed under military arrest. So I guess... DP7 ditched her quick. Uh, so it's taken us eight days to find the suit. So like, why did it take so long to find the bright red suit? Uh, and every day I've had to hear Colonel Purple Heart babble about Jenny's insubordination. Her only crime is that she cared too much. For that, she lost everything. Right. So that's that's his kind of important narrated line. Her only crime is that he cared, she cared too much. Um, so they kind of airlift the suit onto a little transport truck um bring it back into a base to kind of work on it since four days into it policino hasn't stopped cursing browning hasn't stopped questioning uh the normals <laughs> paranormals <laughs> a minor stateside problem we may be requested to investigate some children on the west coast have proven a problem to another department right this is edmund roth talking um and browning's like who gets the suit um he says that hasn't been decided yet and then you know we're cutting like days ahead here basically it's like 11 days into it uh travis says i'm about to climb the walls or tear them down it's like the suit's ready it's like and uh, operational standpoint it's better than ever right it's always better than ever uh, and then it's amusing Rob to me that policino says i don't do windows or chrome which since those are two such technical terms now Oh, right. For, yeah. She's just saying that she doesn't shine the uh, shiny parts on the suit, but, um, you know, those are like her most common operating systems and browsers and whatever. There. Okay. No, no one else will find that amusing, but for me. No. <laughs> Maybe the witness would find that amusing. <laughs> Microsoft salesman extraordinaire. <laughs> and so. Uh. So Roth is like, all right, Jake, hop in. Let's do it. And Travis is like, let's, yeah, freaking A. Because, again, he can't swear. Maybe only Slash can. And uh, 
Mac Browning is maybe like strangely the voice of reasoning here. It's like, Broth, wait a minute. Like, you have problems? Like, no, but you might. He's like, you're putting Travis into the Max armor? The medical report says he's a diagnosed schizophrenic with psychopathic tendencies. How do you justify? And Roth kind of yells back at him as like two horrible CIA or government jerks <laughs> at odds with each other. It's like, first of all, I do not like to be touched. <laughs> and secondly, I don't have to justify anything to you, much less an operational directive sanctioned by executive order. Uh, government techno babble. Uh, it's like all contingencies have been taken into account, many of which are well above your level of comprehension. Jeez, they put like an exploding neck collar in the guy or something, like running man. It's like the final decision, Jake Travis is spitfire, which is my favorite line of the whole thing, because let's just make more things spitfire, right? <laughs> the password, the person, the armor, the AI program. I don't know. Everything is spitfire. Everything is spitfire. Yeah, I, I mean... I just I do kind of enjoy this because we sort of talk about like, oh, here's this guy who's like the head of the CIA. And here's another guy who's like the head of the also CIA. And like you get all these like big, big shots. I think Mac Browning and Edmund Roth were both sort of introduced to us as like being, you know, secret confidants yeah. that have the White House on you know standby mm-hmm. all the time. And so like this you know, peeing contest between these guys is kind of interesting to finally see. And because, yeah, you're like, who would outrank each other? Browning or, or Roth? And apparently it's Roth. Right. It's kind of surprising to me, honestly. Or at least he had the more convincing argument that he was <laughs> in charge more. Uh, but our, our last page of this backup is, uh, you know, so Travis hops in, and then we get him kind of like flexing the weapon systems. It's like his self narration as he's like, you know, showing the missiles off and the blasters and the shoulder cannons and stuff. And in the new uh, Max armor, not Spitfire. Uh, it says, Tell me your secrets and I'll tell you mine. It's like, and, and he's thinking to himself, Browning doesn't understand. Jenny cared too much. That's why she failed. And now this, now I am now this country's best weapon because I don't care at all. Oh, great. <laughs> down, down, down. Crazy yeah. person in the armor. Interesting. Yeah, we'd seen this ad for next for Cyforce coming up and the Max armor, you know, pointed at them. And yeah, I I thought that Jenny would be back into this, but this explains much. Oh, it's now it's Jake Travis who's going to be in the armor. It's much, much more dangerous yeah. than Jenny Swenson. Hmm. But it's interesting because like his Travis character originally introduced was, you know, he was kind of like a normal guy, if not maybe a little damaged and sort of scared. And it wasn't until he like flipped the switch that he became, you know, really like gung-ho and a little you know hyper aggressive kind of thing willing to break the rules and yeah. uh yeah. he wasn't really bonkers per se in his second personality but like definitely more aggro yeah he was more i don't know justice guy yeah but he i mean yeah it, it's a little hey, very issues it ran, ran various issues with this I mean, one, the 
changing scale of the max armor is very noticeable in this one minute it's <laughs> uh, nine feet tall the next it's 29 feet tall um, yep. it is uh nobody seems to be able to get that right <laughs> yeah so yeah he when he gets inside it's maybe it's like climbing into a submarine <laughs> at some point like should be like an extra like room in there i don't know yeah, like page 27, and there's like they're lowering the head on, and it, and it just looks massive, right? Yeah, like right. You, know, you could fit inside just the head. You know, page 26, they're loading it onto the truck, and like the the, the leg of it is bigger than one man. <laughs> yeah. And then right. kind of in the end there, it's just kind of standing there, you know, maybe not eight or nine feet tall. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, that's. I kind of wish I would be more excited about like seeing some of these old characters again, but we barely knew anything about them anyway. Like, you know, like these little side characters from Spitfire were introduced, you know, but almost none of them got any kind of character development. And even like Travis sort of disappeared at the end of uh, the regular Spitfire comic anyway. So, yeah, it's interesting. Nisieza had been the writer for that first issue with uh Policino and uh, not maybe not Roth and Travis but so when it became like it changed the name it sounded like you know he was maybe set to take over or at least he had a first story or two for that arc ready to go so you know maybe that was just his tryout or maybe they had like thought we'd keep going with this but and you know get him on as a writer and then when that fell through cyforce opened up later um but so he should know these characters because he was like the only one who did anything with them right <laughs> but i don't know it was polisino ever that like quirky fun girl i don't know mm, was, maybe <laughs> So yeah, Roth has all is always been so sketchy that I would call him worse than than Browning. Just that you know, willingness to lie so much to to Jenny, um, really rubbed me the wrong way. So I'm not like <laughs> what a cool yeah. roguish dude. I'm like this is like not a, not a nice guy at all. Or no, he's no. awful. Like he's like yeah. the epitome of like. <laughs> bad cia guy yeah so i will yeah. kidnap you and torture you physically and psychologically until you work for, for no really great reason because he didn't even need her brain for the technology so yeah i mean browning obviously had his, his moments but you know i thought like he's a guy he's you know the guy who's like in if if the situation calls for it he's the guy who's like placed at the center to control it so um okay i mean we didn't see what like monster he was before that the way we did the other guy so uh travis um is now is going to be spitfire so i mean the whole story is like on the one hand it's nice to see these characters again but on the other hand this is the sort of thing that could have been a page or two interspersed among the main story or maybe yeah. just uh, like a ref, you know, when he gets there and is attacking them, it's like, no, I'm not Jenny Swenson. I'm Jake Travis. And they're like, 
I have no idea who that person is, but okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, it almost kind of works as a little backup story then for me, though, because because it does feed into presumably like the the overall story. Like it's not its own little separate thing. So it's just kind of all right. Well, here's what these guys are up to, and then this is gonna tie back into when they're trying to kill you, kind of thing. So yeah, it's not it's not random. It kind of serves the story. So and so, it would kind of yeah. if, if if it would. It would be too many separate narratives if it were mixed into, you know, the Medusa web versus Andrew Chaser and yeah, you know, probably right, yeah. what Wayne's doing. So Woo. keep a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know. Should we bother with a grade with these? I don't think so. Okay. I don't know how I would grade it anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> E for effort. I don't know. Uh, it's fine. It's just it gives you a little yeah. clue as to what's coming. You're probably right that by the time we read 21, I'll be happier with this sort of thing. Maybe Wayne will uh, melt Travis's brain or something and we can <laughs> all cheer. It's like there's two of them inside there. Yeah, good one, Wayne. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> melt them both. Melt them both to stick it. <laughs> Uh, uh, should we touch on like a couple of little universe news tidbits before we wrap this thing up yeah let's take a look back at universe news we've got a uh, number of things to look at this month but uh, we wanted to look at the starting the official timeline of the new universe and uh, this is a little sidebar with um, I don't know, a dozen or so entries, all of which are events that happened in uh, chronological order in the new universe. So, as you'll remember, the new universe um, diverged from our universe on July 22nd, 1986, not 500 years ago in Florence or whatever they were telling <laughs> us. Right. When uh, it starts off, yeah, the first event is at 4.22 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The old man attempts to rid himself of the star brand energies by flying to the solar system's asteroid belt and transferring the power into a small asteroid. The ensuing explosion disperses 90% of the star brand energies in all directions, including that of Earth. Exposure to this energy begins to trigger body-wide paranormal mutations in certain human beings this explosion visible from every point on earth lasts 3.3 seconds and is dubbed by the media the white event and it helpfully has little credits star brand number 12 right yeah, i thought i mean we don't need to go through every little one but the philip nolan voigt one was an interesting reminder because it's been a while since we heard from him the clinic leader from dp7 uh and professor at University of Wisconsin, of course, was troubling professors. Uh, manifests paranormal powers and consciousness while mountain climbing in Colorado at the moment the white event occurs. Aware that Earth will soon be developing paranormals, he begins to plot how to gather them and become their political leader. That's apparently at 4.23 p.m. Because <laughs> he was like, took him no time at all to like... Uh see the white event i don't know he felt like his mind had expanded or something yeah 
So it was like um, the consciousness thing. And and remember, of course, like he kind of died, died or was defeated in a weird way where we weren't 100% sure if he was like gone or dead or, or what exactly happened to him. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't, uh, I, I don't want to hazard a guess. He's a good um, counter, so, you know, it'd be a bad one to uh, get rid of completely, but... Yeah, you wouldn't want him to overshadow Rothschild's power. Bam! It just keeps getting worse. <laughs> so we run through a few of the other. So uh, as we say, this kind of hits everything that chronologically happened in the various books, and um, the next thing is the the witness. Nelson Kohler is killed in a uh, car accident by the white event. And um, then it switches over to things that uh, were referred to in Cyforce. Emmett Proudhawk gets um, his powers and the various uh, kids get their powers. Thomas Boyd, Tyrone Jessup. Things we all, saw in uh, the various the annuals for Cyforce and DP7, basically, which were all kind of flashing back to the original um thing we do have an interesting thing with your favorite uh at the bottom at least i thought it was interesting <laughs> look it's all our favorites i'll be yeah honest. new york smashers led by jack magna conti win their football game 24 21 against the boston battlers <laughs> what oh no one cares but me, but like I, I really had fun like trying to piece together what their football league was. And like there was there was two teams I never got the name for for. It was Pittsburgh, didn't get a team name, and Denver. You had the Austin Wreckers, the New York Smashers, Washington Centurions, Los Angeles Runners, Chicago Comets, and then this is a brand new one, as far as I could tell, Boston Battlers. I want to say the first couple of issues, it was always just like home team versus visitors or some right. vagueness. Like, and I was very disappointed. So I'm glad they, to get something that they, they plan on high school ball fields or something. Um, but so, I love the recap because it just made me miss <laughs> Kickers Inc. too. As like after the game, Magna Conti and his wife Darlene visit Magna Conti's brother Steve hey! at his workplace, Sports Power Plus in Queens, New York. Steve tells Magna Conti that he's invented a machine called the Intensifier, which can increase a person's strength by 10 to 15 percent. May have side effects. Uh, He wants to use it on Magna Conti the next day. Later, Magna Conti and his wife Darlene are in Central Park discussing whether he should use the machine and cheat on football. Uh, (laughs) When the white event occurs, Magna Conti reacts to the flash with dizziness. Kickers Inc. number one. Nice. We have a uh, description of uh, Keith Remsen waking up in Night Mask number one. And then perhaps my favorite, the last is uh, Mercenary Mark Hazard in an unidentified country in the South Pacific overthrowing a military di- dictatorship. He mistakes the white event for conventional artillery fire. <laughs> uh, that is fun. I, I totally went back and paged through that to see if there was something where they could, that could have actually been the case, but no. <laughs> no, okay. Well, this is very helpful for us as like scholars of the new universe because things like, um, I was saying Marvel Saga, where they would take the old um, books and kind of take 
pages or even just panels out of them and sort of piece together the whole uh, universe um, step by step instead of um, focusing on one book it would be like okay here's where the fantastic four got their powers and you know meanwhile at the same time this you know something's happening to iron man and south asia and all this other stuff and so you sort of see it more as a chronological progression rather than getting the whole story you just kind of get um bits and pieces but it's all like what was going on at the same time which uh you know so with this timeline we'll be able to kind of uh imagine a, a better version of the new universe as it sort of is tells the story a bit more cohesively I yeah. guess we'll see. But, maybe um, it'll give us some uh, reminders of past events. And maybe it will be relevant. Who knows? Or at least things we enjoyed at the time. That's, yeah. That's... <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, yeah, a few more things to look at. And um, uh, we'll, yeah, but we'll of, save it for the next issue. Save it for the next, yeah. It's already already gone plenty long, I'm sure. So I guess that's it for this week. Us go long? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Free content, people. Free content. Uh, I hope you all have long road trips ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> every week. Yeah. If somebody has a two-hour work commute or like, you know, one hour each way, then it's rock solid, right? We got you covered. Uh, yeah, so, so next time the new new universe checks in on our paranormal killer slash absentee father justice in justice number 20 justice number 20 in the wake of destruction comes a massive relief effort pit aid and when justice goes to the concert he finds himself being stalked by the protector of all paranormals Written by Peter David, drawn by Lee Weeks, thirty-two pages, dollar twenty-five. Okay, that one sounds like a weird one. It's like the celebrity's response to the pit, right? I don't know. Is there going to be a song? There better be a song. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I mean that was a thing at the time, I guess. It's, yeah. So. Somebody think of the children. <laughs> All right, uh, visit us, kickersinc.com email new universe podcast at gmail.com uh you have been listening to the voice of the new new universe and we'll see you back at the spinner rack it's your universe idiot it's just supposed to buzz <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>